0: Welcome to So You Can Hear Me When I'm Gone. I'm your host, Tiffany Perry. If you're a first-time listener, this is a podcast where we explore the life journeys of various family figures and the stories they've experienced, so we can learn from them. All people go through life, and they come away from certain experiences with gems of truth, nuggets of wisdom, certain bits of knowledge that they know for sure. And it's our purpose on this show to capture, if we can, those gems of knowledge and wisdom so we can share them with future generations. As part of our respect for the privacy of the guests we have on our show, we release two versions of the episode, a public version and a privacy-honoring version, which can be provided to you, our listener, by emailing host at soyoucanhearme.com. Today we have a guest with us. His name is Terry Hill.
1: I'm your father.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Okay, yeah, so he's my father. I'm Tiffany Perry, and I'm hosting today. And we just want to get to know you for who you are and your ideas and your experiences. So our first question is, what is your full name? Why did your parents select this name for you?
1: My full name is Terry David Hill. My understanding from what I've heard is that My parents, and maybe particularly my mom, wanted to name me David as my first name, but there were too many Davids around. I guess it was a popular name. Maybe it was the number one name at the time. Who knows? So they decided to use that as the middle name. And I also understand that there was some discussion about the first name, my father preferring Terrence, and my... No, I'm sorry, the other way around. My father preferring Terry and my mother preferring Terrence. And it appears that actually wasn't resolved before I was blessed. I think my mother hoping he would relent and name me Terrence. But in the blessing, he said Terry. (laughs) So that was my first name. Um. There is a Terence Hill that is an actor, but I don't know if he was known at the time. But, that's how the name came about.
0: Um, do you have a nickname?
1: I only remember being called Terry.
0: Okay.
1: Until my wife came along.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now you have all those. <laughs> now nicknames. I have
1: other nicknames, yes, I have nicknames now. <laughs>
0: Uh, when and where were you born?
1: Uh, I was born February twenty second, nineteen fifty five, in Ogden, Utah, in the D Hospital, and we have been by the D Hospital, which is now a park <laughs> in Ogden.
0: The D Hospital is the name of it. Was that D? was
1: D? Uh, yeah, it was D E E. And I think it was named after a family that probably donated money for it. Um, subsequently, they built the McKay Hospital. And in honor of those original donors, and that's the hospital that replaced the D Hospital, it was called the McKay D Hospital, apparently.
0: And you said that was in Ogden.
1: Ogden, Utah. Both my parents were from Ogden. I was a third child. So both my older siblings, my Sister, who is the oldest, and my brother, Roger. My sister, Shauna, the oldest, and my brother, Roger, were born in Ogden as well. My parents having been met and married there in Ogden. We did move shortly thereafter. I think at one point I had heard that we moved when I was three weeks old. But fairly recently I'd heard my mother say, no, it was more like six weeks or maybe even three months. So I don't know, but it was fairly shortly afterwards. My father by then had graduated from uh, University of Utah as an electrical engineer. And he had worked, but I don't know exactly the timing. He had worked for General, uh, um, I think General Mills, a a company that did uh, a mill where they did... um, flour and so on in cereals. Um, but he was then he was hired to work at Hill Field, which was a military base, air force base in Ogden. And uh, he was hired by IBM and worked as a customer engineer. And he would work on some of the computing machinery that IBM sold to the Air Force at Hill Field. He had been hired because IBM was planning to, this is as I understand it, was planning to bid for a a government contract to supply computing machinery, computers, to uh, the government for the social security, which was newly implemented. And they needed to have a lot of engineers on the payroll to show that they could support the program. So, you know, they hired him and had them do things like customer engineer in their local area. But as soon as they got that contract, he was uh, he was transferred to New York, which was one of the main um, manufacturing facilities for computing machinery for IBM. So that's why we moved when I was young. And we moved to New York. Um, He actually, again, I don't know the timing exactly. I think we actually uh, either moved directly to Massachusetts or to New York and then shortly thereafter to Massachusetts where he went to MIT for some specialized training. And I think he actually ended up working on a missile contract with the government. Um, I remember hearing that he would go out to missile sites and so on to inspect. Um, I I assume the, the IBM computers that were installed with them on at those sites. Uh but we uh, I so we did live in and I think it was called Bill Ricca, Massachusetts. I've been by the home uh when actually we were considering moving our family to Massachusetts and so Marilyn and I went on a trip out there to you know to to see if we could find a place and if we wanted to move and uh, so we drove by there and saw the street we lived on and the house um and after and I think that was I think he went to school for either 3 months or 6 months or something and then uh we lived in Kingston New York and uh that's really where I have my first memories. It'd be in Kingston, New York. I don't remember anything before that. Don't remember anything about the house we lived in in uh, Oh Rushton Avenue or Street is the name I remember I think that was in Ogden. So my parents did have a house there. And then uh Bill in Massachusetts and Kingston, New York. Um, My recollection of the house in New York was a two-story house. And they did a lot of building and they have new homes there to support IBM's expansion. They had kind of twin or dual manufacturing site at Poughkeepsie and Kingston. And so this is kind of upstate New York. I think not too far from the Hudson River. Um, anyways, um, so it was a two-story house, probably a new home. And um, I can remember playing on the in the front yard on the driveway and the street and seeing rain come down the street during the summertime. They'd have some good rainstorms there. I can remember going into the woods, and there were some vines we would swing on. I remember a pond in a field behind our house, which would freeze, and I'm told they ice skated on it in the wintertime, but I don't actually have a memory of ice skating on it. Um, But those are the few memories. I kind of remember the house as it looked. I remember sitting in the upstairs bedroom window and watching a snowplow come, come down the street. But those are the few memories I have there. Um, my father served as a branch president there in New York. Um, my mother, <clears throat> it was an adjustment for her because it was hard for her to leave her family and move that far away. Um, she was the oldest of two children. And uh so that, there was some adjustment there. I don't have any memory of any of that, but I've, you know, just discussions since then. But they they were active in the branch, and I know my mom had two or three callings, the primary and other things. The branch met in, I think, a, in some kind of a, like a YMCA hall or something like that, and my mom would talk about going on... Sunday morning and cleaning up all the uh, cigarette butts and the, <laughs> uh, the beer bottles and so on from the, whatever activities they had the night before in that building to get ready for church. Um, my my mom was a fan of dad time, and so I remember her saying that she would encourage my dad to take us whenever he could on his assignments because he was apparently gone a lot i can remember i have an image of looking down a hallway of some you know kind of dark house and or apartment seeing an old man down at the end of the hallway and i'm sure that was on a visit my dad was making and um i know my dad said that uh He commented sometimes that he wondered if people would make some incorrect judgments when they would see him go into a bar there because they had a member of the ward who lived upstairs above the bar and the only way to get there was to go into the bar (laughs) and go upstairs. So he'd go visit there. Um, That's pretty much my memories of New York. Uh, We lived there until I was five years old. And uh, my younger brother, Curtis, was born there in New York. So we had four children. They had four children when they uh, lived in New York. And then from there, my dad was transferred to San Jose, California. So when I was five, we moved to San Jose. And then I started kindergarten in San Jose, California. And we lived there until, um, until I left for college. And my parents lived there for... Probably a couple of decades after that. Um, I remember a couple of times my dad and mom talked about moving. I know my dad may be fairly serious about moving to Denver at one point, but I don't know why, but they decided not to move to Denver. That would have been Boulder, Colorado, a transfer with IBM. My dad worked for IBM essentially his whole career. Um, and... Uh, I remember him saying that he decided to work for IBM because he, because IBM was a family-oriented company, and support you know and believed in the family and supported families. So, um, but he did get transferred with them a couple of times, and uh, there was a time I think they talked about maybe even having an overseas assignment, but. I think he tended not to move to provide stability for the family, essentially. Um, I think San Jose was probably a choice because it was closer to Utah and therefore easier for my uh, mom to visit her family and them to visit her. I know my mom's parents drove out to New York and visited there uh, at least – once or twice, I, I maybe more, I don't know, but I, I know my mom talked about that. Um, and I know they, every year, once or twice, they drove to San Jose and visited. And every year, once or twice, we drove to uh, to Utah, to Ogden, to visit uh, her parents. And I have lots of memories of spending a, a week or two at uh my grandparents house my mom's parents in ogden Uh, we would visit my dad's uh stepmother um his father his mother died when he was born he was the third and last of his father's children and his mother died when he was born and he lived with his parents i mean his grandparents his I think it was his father's parents for uh, several years. And uh, um, his I, his father didn't remarry for a while. And then when he did, um, after, I think he, his grandmother died when he was eight years old and he was still, he was living with them. And then his father, his grandfather didn't want to give him up and uh, so he lived with his grandfather then until he was somewhere in his teens and then his grandfather died and then he moved in with his dad and his stepmother and stepmother hadn't had children and it was kind of a difficult relationship i think but um and then my dad, uh, he graduated early from high school when he was, and left uh, home and worked on the railroad as a telegrapher for um, a couple of years until he went into the Navy during World War II. But when we would go to Ogden, we would visit his stepmother, Grandma Julia, in the home that his parents had lived in and he had been born in, actually.
0: How would you describe the personalities of your parents?
1: Uh, My dad was very reasoning, reasoned, very logical, very self controlled. Um, I really don't ever remember my father raising his voice. and he was always just very you know reasoned, and he would sit down and talk to us and um i uh I don't really remember um I do remember one time being spanked and my father saying it was hurting him more than me. (laughs) And uh, I don't remember for sure what I thought, but but I I believed him. And uh, I do remember one time my older brother, Roger was like, just around a year and a half older than me. And my older sister was about five years older than me. My younger brother about three years younger. And my youngest sister, who was born in San Jose, was about 10 years younger than me, if I remember right. 10 or 12, can't remember. Um, and my older brother Roger and I would you know, we would play a lot together, and we would start wrestling, and we were just having fun until somebody got hurt, usually me, and then we'd get upset with each other, <laughs> and then we'd have a real fight. <laughs> and then, uh, one time he, uh, we, that happened, and I was running after him. I apparently had some temper issues. I could get pretty upset. I wasn't, I didn't get upset easily, but when I did, I could get pretty upset, I guess. And so I was running after him and he ran around the house and into the front door. We were wrestling in the backyard. He ran around the house and in the front door and locked me out. And I was so upset that he was not letting me in to beat him up, you know? <laughs> so I pounded on the front door and the front door cracked. And... uh <clears throat> When my dad came, I can remember my dad, um, I went out and sat on the front lawn and was sulking. So I don't know what happened. My mom must have said I was going to be in real trouble And when my dad got home or whatever. (laughs) And I was on the front lawn sulking, and my dad came out to talk to me, and he just sat down with me and talked with me. And I can remember him saying, um, there's a lot of men in prison because they couldn't control their temper. And I remember having this visual image of myself sitting in a you know, dark prison cell behind bars with these chains around my legs and <laughs> with a ball of chain around my leg, you know. I, I remember that image I had, so that's the impact it had on me. And uh, I think, you know, my recollection is I got better after that. So I would assume that was when I was about, I don't know, eight or nine years old or something. I don't know. Um, my mother, my, you know, she was a little strong-willed, I think. She she was the first child in her, the oldest child in her family. Her younger brother Bill or William was about 5 years younger i believe she said and so she was kind of dominant in her you know among her sibling <laughs> her um, her father grandpa Underwood my impression of him was he was rather dominant and you know he 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 ruled his home and i think he was probably a fairly strong disciplinarian um my mom's mother lillian shaw was a rather small petite and i think meek and mild soft-spoken person rather submissive probably um And I definitely think my mom took after my grandpa, (laughs) her father. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so she had, she generally had fairly, you know, fairly defined opinions and, and was not, you know, and would state them. It's interesting because she describes herself as being quite shy. And when she was younger, and when they went to New York, she said one of her friends told her once that being shy was kind of a self centered attribute and so she decided just not to be shy and she and she became pretty i you know much more outspoken and state her opinions and so on so um she was i think a little vulnerable too um she would uh I know she talks about having it being difficult in New York, being away from her family for the first time, and being a young mother. And uh, she, when my younger brother was born, she wanted to go home from the hospital, but the doctor wouldn't let her until she stopped crying. So she was, uh, so, and and my dad was home taking care of the kids. and. He'd, they'd call and talk on the phone and he'd say yeah everything's fine kids are all fed beds are made uh, you know and she'd start crying again so uh, my dad was very organized and methodical, you know just uh methodical about it um an engineer really so um
0: and that offended her my
1: my my mom was well yeah she felt bad because she wasn't as you know, didn't she didn't feel her. as, what's that? She was, yeah, she didn't feel as needed. It, and he was so able to do it when I think she, but my mom was actually kind of a perfectionist. And I would have to say I probably am a, kind of a perfectionist and probably get that from my mom. So she was more like, you know, things, you know, she tried to have things. Uh, her, her home when we went and visited my grandparents, her home was very orderly. Her mom was very, uh, you know, uh, very clean and orderly and everything, you know, was done well. Um, And she probably tried to, you know, was raised that way and tried to do that. Uh, But, you know, having... Um, children relatively close together. I I think it was a little harder to accomplish all that, but, um, and she didn't have their family around to support her. So, um, school education was very important to my mom she did very well in school she was that was kind of her sense of self worth and self esteem i think and i think it became that for me as well because it was important to her um so you know i remember her ta- saying that uh they had her in elementary school she went around to all the other classes and recited the gettysburg address you know and, um she had an excellent memory, very good memory. Curtis has an excellent memory- He's my younger brother um my memory's not as excellent <laughs> i don't I don't learn by memorizing and just learning you know just hearing it and knowing it you know I have to reason through it and understand it um, but you know school was important that was my what i seemed you know what i was reinforced that I did well so uh, I was in, to do well in school was important to me, so I worked hard at it. And I, being somewhat of a perfectionist, I suppose I would spend a lot of time at it.
0: Let's go back, kind of look at your your childhood. What did you What did you like to do for fun as a child?
1: Yeah, probably. I almost all my memories about that are in San Jose. We lived on Willemont Avenue in San Jose when we first moved there. IBM was. A major employer and san jose was growing a lot they, they built a plant down in the south part of san jose and um i i san jose was growing a lot so there were a lot of new tracks being built and i can remember on wilmot avenue we you know they bought my parents bought a new house there and four bedroom house hardwood floors i remember and um I remember right. It was interesting, just a side note. My grandparents, my mom's parents, my grandfather was an accountant for um, Utah Power and Light. And during the Depression he was employed the whole time. Um, If I understood correctly, what he had to do during that time was do bill collecting, which I'm sure was not a (laughs) and you know an easy thing to do during the depression but he would he would travel around the state and collect uh collect bills and then later on when i i can remember as a child when we visited going down to utah power and light building in ogden and going up the escalator and my grandpa had the key to turn it on because it was after hours and we'd go up the escalator and he was like an accounting manager at that point but um but they were employed and so relatively speaking they had you know they had a, a you know they had a, a nice modest perhaps but nice home and they had a dining room and sunday dinner was always in the dining room with china and so on and my mom did that now i mean we i think probably uh tiffany you probably remember Sundays when we would go to Grandma and Grandpa's house in San Jose, yeah, mm-hmm. and have Sunday dinner, and it was china in the dining room with a nice dining room set, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> uh, so that you know that's one of the things my mom liked to do, and uh, so they had they, they would they would have dining a dining room and chi- china and a nice dining room set and so on. Um, now I don't remember the question.
0: <laughs> well, you don't have to stick to the question. Okay, tell me the
1: question again.
0: It was, what did you like to do as a child oh, okay. for fun?
1: Yes. So, their house in that on Wilmont Avenue, and, uh, we lived there from the time I was five until uh, through eighth grade, whatever age that is. And uh, I went to Reed Elementary School, which was about four blocks away and then John Muir Junior High School, which we rode our bikes, my friends and I rode our bikes there. Um, yeah, but because they were building, ongoing building around, I can remember going out to where they were, and it was, uh, San Jose had lots of orchards, prunes particularly were one of the main uh, 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 industries there. Uh, in agriculture and, but they would be tearing down these orchards and they'd pile the trees up and we'd go build forts in these torn down trees, you know, and we'd go blocks away and play all day. And, and our parents weren't worried about it because you didn't need to back then. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd just find where they were tearing trees down at the time. We also played army a lot. We would, uh, and, and I don't know that we had any particular, you know, uh, equipment. It was just make-believe, you know. But we would, uh, we and our friends would just chase each other around and go bang-bang and say, we got you, and <laughs> you're dead. But it was fun just to, you know, it was almost like hide-and-seek, but it was playing army. And uh, and that was okay, because I guess it was okay <laughs> back then. Um. That's mostly what I remember doing. We had, uh, I probably, my my best friend was Peter Carrier when I was in elementary school. Um, They lived, they were members of the ward. His father was our bishop at some point. They lived around the corner on a little busier street. Um, So probably, I I don't know, about 10 houses away or something. Yeah. and uh so probably mostly roger and me and peter played around with those things i can't remember who else might have with us um but we did you know we did a lot of things together in the backyard i know we decided to dig a dig a tunnel between our houses and so we started digging and we got down about maybe three and a half feet or something. (laughs) I'm not sure before our interest shifted, I guess, but (laughs) we were going to build a tunnel between our houses. And then, you know, dad being electrical engineer, I'm sure, I'm sure for birthday or Christmas or something, we got these, um, uh, telegraphy sets and you built kind of a, you know, there was a, a little electronic device that would, the light would flash and it would beep and you could, Hook it up to a, a key and do telegraphy. So, we were going to put a telegraphy line between our houses. And so, uh, the houses in that development, that area, all had a redwood fence around the houses and, you know, between the houses. So, there and we would walk these fences, you know, at times. But there was a, a fence. So, my dad said it was okay, but we had to get permission from all the owners, and and to put these two wires along the top of the redwood fence around, you know, the 10 houses or whatever it was between us around the corner. And I think everyone gave us permission but the corner house, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, no. you know, it was only like two inches around the corner, you know, but they didn't give us permission, so we couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but... Uh, so you know, those are the kind of things we did. And I remember uh, Bishop Carrier. He was. They had four boys. Their boys were uh, James, John, Peter, and Paul. And uh, and then they had one girl, Becky, Rebecca, right? Anyways, so and, and Peter was the third out of the four boys. Um. And Paul was Curtis's age and they were good friends. Um, But uh, the carrier, he he taught school. Uh, I think on a mission he'd learned Spanish and he taught Spanish in in school. Uh, And they had a VW bus and they decided to go skiing. And so we'd go with them and drive the four hours up to the Sierra Nevada mountains, hike up the hill and ski down. To learn to go skiing, and one Christmas we got skis from my parents, and, um, and so we would go, and then eventually we would go to places like Dodge Ridge, and uh, and so that was fun, and and those were memorable trips driving in the Volkswagen bus, which would go down to about thirty miles an hour up the grade, you know, <laughs> so, um, Donner Pass. We'd go up to Donner Pass. There were some ski places by there. Uh, anyways. Um, Those are things. Those are things I remember doing. I know um, at one point we well, uh, yeah. I think Peter was kind of a creative kid because he would kind of instigate these different things. But at one point, um, we made candles. We would melt candles down old candles my mom had, and pour them into glass jars of different shapes to make and put a wick in them and make different candles, and then we'd break the glass off, and we'd have these candles. Um, so I can remember like a honey jar that was the shape of a honey bear doing that, or one of them, so on. So that was fun. Um, I didn't play a lot of sports. I know in elementary school there were kids that played baseball, and and I can remember playing some baseball, but I was not particularly... You know, I wasn't known for my athletic skills, so I didn't, I don't remember doing that a lot. A little bit of football, baseball, but not much. Um, Yeah. In elementary school, we would play dodgeball, um, but four square. That's all I remember. Oh yeah. And tetherball. Play That's all I remember so. We did collect newspapers For my older sister When they had a newspaper drive At the middle school So we went and collected newspapers Pulled our red wagon Around the block Asked each one for their newspapers Brought them back for her, And then take it in the car down to the school Middle school to dump in the dumpsters Um My In the 60s, 1963 probably, I don't remember, there was part of the Cold War, uh, there was real concern that there would be a nuclear attack from Russia. And so our neighbors put in a bomb shelter, I remember that. It was a metal one that was delivered and then a backhoe came and dug out their front yard and they dropped it down in and buried it. Uh, my dad was more of a do it yourselfer. And so I can remember he hired two probably Mexicans to dig the bomb shelter in the back. And they dug a big hole in our backyard, wheelbarrowed it out to the front, made a big mound of dirt that came and hauled away at some point. And then my dad f- um, you know, built the wood uh, frames for cement walls. And ceiling for the bomb shelter, and it had a metal hatch that went down into the bomb shelter. So I can remember them building that. Um, I can remember doing drills at school where they would have us duck under our desk and put our hands over our neck in case there was a a nuclear attack. Um and they would say, you know, the glass from the windows would blow into the classroom if that happened, so that's what we did. Uh so it was a real concern for people. But while that bomb shelter was being built, there were some big piles of dirt. And I can remember going in the backyard and throwing rocks at the fence from this pile of dirt. And then I decided to see if I could throw a rock over the Telef- the electric and telephone wires that went along poles along the back between the houses along the back, and uh, so I would I threw some rocks over, trying to throw them over the the electrical wires, and then like uh, a few days later, a man came to the door and talked to my parents and said that someone had. Uh, given his mother a concussion Um, uh, throwing uh, with a rock. And I can't, I can't remember exactly how it went, but, you know, my dad asked and I said, no, we weren't, you know, we we didn't hit, we didn't throw rocks at anyone, (laughs) you know. And then later that night, I think I thought, oh, I was throwing rocks over the telephone wire. I wonder if that could have hit her. <laughs> so I told my parents, and I can remember with my dad going over and telling the lady, and uh, I don't remember how that went down, but I I think it, it, you know, she was. I don't remember anything bad about it. I think she must have been nice about it. You know. Anyways, I was convinced. I, for some reason, I was convinced that. She didn't, didn't wish, you know, that I was in trouble. And and I can remember even a, several years later as a Boy Scout, I think we were doing a paper drive and going to her house to collect papers as a Boy Scout with other Boy Scout friends. And when we did those drives, they would drive around with a pickup truck, the Scout leaders, and we'd collect newspapers and throw them in the pickup truck and so on. But we went to this uh house and I was just afraid this lady was gonna recognize me. And <laughs> and that was I was gonna be in so much trouble, you know. But she was the nicest lady. She invited us in. She gave us candy or something <laughs> to eat this whole time I wonder. Went- I wonder if, what she'd do if she knew I was the boy <laughs> did this. But I don't think I told her. <laughs> and uh, then we left. So, yeah, it, it affected me a lot, apparently. <laughs> so, I can remember as Boy Scouts in that ward, they had a great scout program. Um, I can remember, yes, our scout master was Brother Ellington. Uh, he was great. Uh, just very committed to the scouts and to the boys. And then Brother Perry, actually. <laughs> I just thought of that. I didn't, never made that connection. He was the scoutmaster after him. And I can remember we'd go over to, uh, we'd have a beach camp out in the wintertime and we'd go over to Nuevo where you could hike out on a peninsula and camp just out on the peninsula. But we had to hike through a, uh, a farm so they'd get permission from the farmer. But uh, I can't remember, the farmer didn't want him to go when it was raining, but I can remember one trip it was raining and we tried to go out and the trucks got the pickup got stuck, you know. <laughs> so the farmer had to bring his tractor out and pull, pull the truck out of the mud. <laughs> and then we figured out why he didn't want people going out there the, when it was raining. But I can remember being in his barn, you know, drying off and wait, waiting until they got the truck pulled out. And so, yeah, they, and those were, I can remember one time at Anna Nuevo, Peter Carrier and me, and probably Jay Hansen or John McKay. We, we had a fire. We camped not too far away from a cliff that went down to the ocean, and we thought it'd be cool to have a, a firefall and apparently in Yosemite they used to do a firefall where they'd pour burning embers over the cliff you know i think the environmentalists got to that but uh, cuz they don't do it anymore but so we thought it'd be great to have a firefall so we had a fire and then we i can remember we we planned i i i, I think we took the embers somehow and dumped them off this cliff so we could see a firefall <laughs> by the ocean there um but yeah, those were great, those were great times. Um, yeah, I can remember actually later as a boy, um, I don't know how old I would have been because I'm pretty sure we still lived at Walmart, but maybe not. Anyways, we, uh, I decided it'd be cool to hike, to do a 50-mile hike in one day. I don't know why, but... <laughs> So we went to Big Basin and just my dad and brother or well, my dad and brother took turns hiking with me, but hiked from Big Basin over to Ananuevo. And uh, and it was, I mean, we started crack of dawn and hiked until after dark. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I quite made it all the way to Ananuevo because it got dark. But it was probably a 45 mile hike. I was tired. <laughs> so um can't remember. So Brother Brady was the oh yeah. Brother Brady was the um committee chairman and he was great because and he, he taught school. I think he dealt with uh uh what do you call him? children that were mm, like uh, in trouble sometimes you know but but he was great and we had a great scout program under him we our scout troop did a scout camp on their own up at Lake Edison in the Sierras every year and I can remember some great, great scout camps there we just hiked out onto a kind of a peninsula on the lake <clears throat> and uh, camped there. It wasn't a developed campground or anything. We'd just camp out there. and uh, We'd go canoeing in the lake and swimming, and that was great. Um, when I was in, at the beginning of my ninth grade, my parents had built a house out in further south in San Jose in the Almaden Valley. They bought two and a half acres and my parents built a house. And uh so we moved out there. I can remember my uncle and cousins visiting and my uncle asking me how I felt about it and I how I liked the house. And I said I I didn't like leaving my friends, you know. And uh he said, oh, well, now you can have twice as many friends. <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, it was, uh, we, it, we, you know. So we moved out there and it, uh, it was a different ward, San a 12th Ward. And I guess just some comments there. My dad did serve in the high council mm-hmm. when we lived on Willamont Avenue. And my, uh, <clears throat> again, with my mom's, you know, belief in dad time. I can remember going with my dad on some of his high council assignments. I'd sit in the congregation. One of them was the chapel down on 10th Street in San Jose, which was kind of a college area, San Jose State. And they had a balcony and a pipe organ. And I can remember sitting up in the balcony. I don't think other people were up there, but I was sitting up in the balcony and watching the service. Um, and I can remember going to the Spanish branch out in East San Jose and visiting there. Uh, I remember going down to Morgan Hill area, Gilroy, Gilroy Chapel, when he was on assignment there. And uh, uh, and then later my dad was, I, my dad actually, hmm, yeah, actually my dad served as bishop when we were... Uh, earlier when we were in San Jose down in the Cherry Street building, San Jose Steak. And uh, I remember getting in trouble in primary and the primary president saying they couldn't believe the bishop's son would... <laughs> we we made our primary teacher cry. It was, <laughs> it was sad. I think it was Peter Carrier and I. We had a substitute or something. And so we decided to trade places, and I was Peter, and he was <laughs> he was Terry. And <laughs> I don't I don't remember what happened, but apparently the primary teacher ended up crying. And it wasn't good. <laughs> so um, Cherry Street Building was where I was baptized. I don't remember actually the baptismal service or being baptized, but I remember the room and. The uh, white rock planter that they had with plants in it, and so on. Um, and then they built, uh, then San Jose was growing a lot again, so it was, uh, they divided the stake, they divided the wards frequently. So we were initially in the San Jose 8th Ward, I think, and then the San Jose, see how'd it go? I think we were initially in the 2nd Ward, and then it was divided and we were in the 7th Ward, and then it was divided and we were in the 8th Ward. They, they built a building in the 7th and 8th Ward, we're in the Kirk and Noreen building. I can remember riding my bike, the, I don't know, eight blocks over to where the Kirk and building was while they were building it, watching them work on it. And members did a lot of the work. My dad did a lot of work on it. Um, anyways, um, my dad was Bishop when we were at the second ward at the stake center. Um, And then later, my dad was in the state presidency, and then after I was away at college and on my mission, he was the state president. And I can remember, you know, as state president, when general authorities would come for state conference, they would stay at the, often they would stay at the state president's house. So there were a couple of times, but by then we were, I guess when he was released, I mean, he was state president for almost 10 years.
0: That was in the Almaden house, right?
1: Yeah, that was in the Almaden house. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, after building their house out in Almaden on two and a half acres, about three years later, I guess, maybe when I was a junior in high school, they sold that house and bought a house over on the other side of the valley, which was on the golf course there. And that was Crystal Springs. And then we lived there. I was there during junior and senior year. Um, anyways, when, I know when he was released, Elder Perry was the general authority, and he came and stayed with him. And by then I was married, and we had at least some of our children. And we went up and had dinner there. And uh, so it was nice. And another time, Elder Kakuchi came, I remember, and we had dinner then. And he asked, and I, it came up that I had played the piano before. My mom had a nice grand piano. So he asked me to play, but I... I didn't play particularly, you know, I played haltingly, and so I declined. And he said, well, if you'll play the piano, then I'll sing afterwards.
0: And you still declined?
1: I still declined. (laughs) But being a very gracious general authority, (laughs) he went ahead and sang, and he had a beautiful voice. (laughs) And I always felt bad about declining. (laughs) So...
0: (laughs) but maybe
1: I would have felt worse if I played. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: just like a last follow-up question. Where was your testimony at that time up through like eighth grade? How did that affect your family life and your testimony and just who you are?
1: Um, It, it is interesting. I don't... <clears throat> I don't remember not really believing it was true. The gospel was true and the re- restored gospel was true. Um, I'm trying to remember it. Probably, you know, all that time I just, you know, it just seemed like it was natural to me, I guess. And I just accepted it and believed it. I'll make this comment. I can remember later on when I served as a bishop having the opportunity to interview eight year old children to be baptized. And and realizing at the time, that you know, my thought at the time was, I I don't know an eight-year-old who doesn't believe it's true, (laughs) you know? I mean, if you're taught that as a child, you believe it. And I can remember there being some families where the parents didn't want their children to be baptized until they really had their own testimony. And I thought about that and thought, you know but that's not what the lord says <laughs> because the lord says it's the parents responsibility to teach their children and to have them baptized when they're eight because you're giving them a great opportunity to to just have that faith and 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 build on that faith and you know that they'll have to eventually get their testimony but why not give them the advantage of having the gospel, having the Holy Ghost as a constant companion to help them and, and in that process. and uh, so yeah the Lord knows that children are just believe what they're taught and that's okay <laughs> you know you're not decline you're not denying them the opportunity to really gain their own testimony because they will have to get that but but you're giving them, a great opportunity to have the blessings of the gospel and the Holy Ghost for you know during a fairly critical time in their life, and so, and it's it's their obligation, and the Lord says He'll hold them accountable if they don't do it. So that's, um, so yeah, I, and and that was I you know I felt that way. I was, um, yeah, I just believed it and. Um, I can remember older as a teenager thinking, Do I really have a testimony? Do I really know this is true? And then having to go through the process of of deciding, well, I, I'm doing what the gospel teaches. So I must believe it. <laughs> so I say, Yeah, yeah, guess I believe it. So um, And I guess I have ultimately realized that to the extent I don't I'm not perfect at doing it, I, it's probably an indication that my faith isn't perfect yet, but that that's what we
0: work on so Well excellent. I think that's a great note to. To end today's podcast on. Thank you so much, Dad. If any of our listeners would like to receive a copy of the privacy honoring version of this episode, please feel free to send a request email to host at soyoucanhearme.com. If you feel there's someone who should be a guest on this show, feel free to email us about that too. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time on So You Can Hear Me When I'm Gone.